The podcast world is growing bigger every day, and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcasting app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and they are adding cool new features every day. Go to the App Store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. Hey guys, before we get this show started, Allie from the Insight Podcast was awesome enough to uh, do a promo swap with us on her show, which gets a lot more listeners than our show does. So uh, we are going to uh, air her promo right now for Insight, the Insight Podcast, so I hope you check it out, give it a listen. Insight is a podcast that explores true crime and mysteries with two hosts from two continents. We recommend trying some of our recent episodes, like our episode on Sylvia Brown, where we take a critical look at the famed psychic and the cases she staked her reputation on. Or try our episode on Kanika Jenkins. After she was found in a hotel freezer, her death was ruled an accident, but her family does not want to believe it. We also recently covered the disappearance of Joan Reish. Does the novel she took out of the library point to the answer to the mystery of what happened to her? We also covered a case requested by many of our listeners, the circumstances leading up to the death of actress Natalie Wood. You can find Insight in your favourite podcast app and all across social media just by searching for Insight Podcast. That's Insight, two words, podcast. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 124 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Oh, it's been a while since we've done a fucking podcast, yeah. Uh, my name's Josh Cannon. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Brizown. Uh, yeah, why the fuck? Where have we been, dude? What What's up with this shit? This is bullshit. Skipping episodes, yeah, skipping yeah. weeks. Well, th- that that wasn't this. This wasn't my fault, I guess. Mike, I'm looking around. for somebody to blame. Who can I blame? <laughs> you can point the finger at yourself this time. That's bullshit. Think, yeah, <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to work. Um, uh, folks, forgive the squeaking or whatever. I got another chair because the one that I had before it just stopped being. It's. It, I mean. It was still comfortable, but, like, not the good type of comfortable. Like, it's not good for you. Like, the had no neck and shoulder support. And it was starting to do this thing where every now and then the the screw or something... Not really screw, but it's, like, the mechanism that makes it so it doesn't, like, lean back and, like, crazy far. It was not working properly. So every now and then I'd sit in my chair and then it'd just be like, whoa! And then, you know, and I'm like, no, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. So uh, forgive the creaking of this, this uh, fucking office chair don't, I have here. I don't know if I would have opened with the chair thing. I might have might, sa- saved the chair for the mid, like when the audience has <laughs> settled in. Kind of a- That's what was on my mind because people probably would have heard it because it's right next to the mic when you were doing your singing thing. And I'm moving my chair. So people are like, what the hell is that? So yeah, that's uh, that's why I did it that way. 
Um, but in terms of uh, what I've been doing, I've just, you know, I, I, I'm officially being kept on at Michael's, so that's really, you know, nice. Apparently, I'm doing so well with signing up uh, people, new people to the rewards program that my manager said I am uh, just doing an exceptional job. Like, I'm just being, like, crazy good with it apparently like he said and i'm like all right okay he's like don't change anything don't do anything different than, than what you're doing right now because your numbers are astronomical oh that's so great like, man right. <laughs> do you wonder sometimes um, in the back of your mind like if you like when you walk in for work all the managers say to themselves here comes mike the kiss ass <laughs> nah <laughs> I, I don't i don't see that because uh, the manager, he'll get in trouble if the numbers are low. Oh, so yeah. He, you know, the, he's really appreciative of that. All the managers are. And uh, numbers are low with enough that they're going to start putting people who have numbers that are low into boot camp. Where they're going to have to sign something and do some training because their numbers are too low. So, yeah. That sounds kind of scary. Yeah, it's getting kind of serious, uh, but... They are going not, to not put a... you in a camp where you can concentrate better on becoming a better Michaels employee. <laughs> I guess you could call it a art store concentration camp. <laughs> that was pretty dark, Josh. That, that, yeah. was, that, was, that was a dark... And awkward, as usual. Yep. Dark and awkward. Dark, awkward, and inappropriate. Sorry, <laughs> those, if there's anyone from the Insight Podcast uh, jumping on board here... Um, uh, yeah, this is kind of what we do. I'm, I apologize if, if, if we've offended anybody already, which we probably have. Um, that's awesome, though, dude. You, honestly, with your, and I say this, I've said this before, but with your good attitude, it wouldn't surprise me if they make you a manager or something if you stick with it. Yeah, we'll see. Would you want to do that even? I mean, it, it depends. I mean, I've seen what they do, and, so, and some days, like, it's, it's fucking insane if you're a manager. But like other days, it doesn't seem like it's that bad because you're not, you know, it's not that uh, taxing. Um, but it just seems like certain days, like it's just nuts. Mm. And you're just like, Ugh, I'm glad I'm not a manager. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, the, the news that I've been getting bombarded with, as I'm sure <laughs> you have, too. I yeah. mean, and it's literally people in my everyday life that know me are telling me the same shit. Did you know they're bringing Unsolved Mysteries back? And there's like two camps. I think me and Mike are in the same camp on this. But the first camp is, yes, OMG. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. Hashtag excited. Uh And then there's our camp who's like, yes, fucking skeptical about this. I don't know about. I'm going to reserve my judgment on that, Smithers. Um. Look, gang, I've been around the block a while, been around for a, a, a day or two here. I remember a time back in 2006 when Spike TV announced they were bringing back Unsolved Mysteries and it was going to have a new host. And I started reading about it. And the more I read about it, the less excited I got. But I still held out hope. The, the articles that I read said, you know, we're going to keep the same exact segments, but we're going to have a different set, a different host. And I'm like, what? 
what the fu- how is this gonna look but well to be honest that's worse than what they're they're planning on doing here it is but... it is worse but my point being is that they flubbed it so hard the first time yes. hopefully hopefully they, they they got it right this time and you know what i will be as bold to, as to say mike that we had some small part in <laughs> potentially this show not sucking if it ends up not sucking because we bitched so hard about yeah. the Farina episodes on almost on a large portion of our podcast. Yep. I did my unsolved mysteries video on my YouTube channel. That video's got, I don't know, 30, 40,000 hits. Uh-huh. The Cosgrove people are aware of us. We know <laughs> that from the loss, the, uh, the cease and desist letter that I got from yeah. their lawyer. They are very aware that we exist. Don Devereaux, the, when I interviewed him, talked about us to John Cosgrove. Um, so I, in, in, in uh, any time a video of mine has been flagged that's contained Unsolved Mysteries content, it was manually detected, meaning that someone in the Cosgrove camp personally found it, saw it, flagged it, and watched yeah. it, obviously, to see you know if, if I was indeed violating whatever the fuck. So I'm hoping that we had some kind of influence to be like, hey... Don't fuck it up this time, guys. Like this, these are the parameters of of what made the show good. And with the new one, I hope they because you know, like I was saying before, like Stranger Things, it has that very retro feel, but it's new and it was popular. And Sean Levy, who is the executive producer of Stranger Things, is the one who's uh, working on it. Oh, really? With, uh, with Cosgrove and Moore. Uh, so with his company, 21 Laps Entertainment and uh, Cosgrove and Murder Productions are also uh, working on it, too. Um, I guess Robert Wise is a co-executive producer and a showrunner with uh, Don Murr. So you have the the show has Cosgrove, Levy and Josh Berry as executive producers. Robert Wise is a co-executive producer. And uh, the twelve-part show will use reenactments in a documentary format to profile real-life mysteries and unsolved crimes, lost love cases involving Mrs. Per- uh, lost love cases involving missing persons and unexplained paranormal events. I got trip tripped up because I remember it being lost loves, not lost love. Each episode will focus on one mystery. In the original series, actors played the victims, criminals, and, witness- and witnesses, but family members and police were regularly interviewed. Well, that's not necessarily true, because sometimes the actual people who are involved in the cases did act in the segments, too. Um, and I guess that... Yeah, 21 uh, Laps Entertainment, they produced uh, four shows for the... Uh, Netflix service. They signed a deal. They got Stranger Things. You have Shadow and Bone, uh, based on some book series. Uh, something called I'm Not Okay with This. Uh, and that's kind of basically what they're. So obviously, here. one of the concerns. And to be from, honest, from what you were reading, it is I'm not okay with this. Right. So, so what's, <laughs> I, what's your what's your your deal so, with this, Mike? The, the reason why I'm not okay with this right now is the main thing is the one case per episode. I am not okay with that idea. 
that is not Unsolved Mysteries identity. That is so typical and generic of all these other true crime and other shows in terms of the format. I was really worried about that. I think I even mentioned that when there were rumors about a reboot. I was like, if they're going to do a reboot, don't do the same thing that ID Investigation Discovery is doing and all these other shows. Don't just be another generic true crime show. This development leads me to believe that that's more than likely going to be the case with this Unsolved Mysteries show. They're just going to do another typical true crime show. They're going to slap the Unsolved Mysteries brand on it and think that's going to be enough to sell it. And I'm sorry, I don't... I, it's called Unsolved Mysteries. It's not Unsolved Mystery. It's, especially nowadays, like, we really could use a show like Unsolved Mysteries, like the original Unsolved Mysteries that had more than one case featured in each episode. Right. Yeah, that's really uh that's really weird that they're going with that in that direction with the the one mystery per I mean, like how long do, I wonder how, what the runtime is going to be of this is It'll probably be around 40 45 minutes, you know, an hour or something. Like all the other miniseries is are in Netflix. And I like him. I I do. I like Evil Genius, and I like Making a Murderer. But those are different type of shows. Unsolved Mysteries does not need to be that kind of show. Unsolved Mysteries does not need to be another version of The Hunt with John Walsh, which is another show that deals with unsolved cases or cases where they're still trying to find who killed such and such on the FBI's most wanted list. Yeah. Well, that was always my big concern. If they bring back, if they if they would have brought back Unsolved Mysteries, is that it would be just like every other true crime show out there. The thing that I said this in our group or whatever, the thing that distinguished Unsolved Mysteries amongst its peers was a there was that intangible kind of X factor, that atmosphere, that mood, that feeling, especially yeah. in the first few seasons that the show had that that you saw that clearly was diminished in the later seasons of unsolved mysteries go and uh-huh. watch amazon prime go watch the seasons like 10 and 11 and then go back and watch seasons like 1 and 2 and you'll see this huge diminish of that 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 production value the atmosphere that, the, atmosphere, the uh, art direction you know it the beca- mood it felt more like fast food unsolved mysteries rather than like the real like sit down restaurant well the, well, the budget probably was slashed and that's a big part yeah of it. probably I mean, the, a big reason why the first few seasons of unsolved mysteries looked as great as they did is because they actually had uh big time cinematographers like really talented and uh experienced cinematographers who were working on uh, those episodes and on that show you had directors of photography like the one that we interviewed who were very experienced Yeah. so I think that uh, definitely played a part in that I'm worried that they might not even do even have a host it would just be here's the intro and here's oh, the if they had any intelligence in their brains they would get uh, they because that was my second thing is there's no Robert Stack. And I mean, he, yeah, Cosgrove will be the first to admit that Stack was instrumental to that show's success. I mean, he said that in the Robert Stack, Robert Stack tribute on the, uh, 
ultimate uh, collection box set or whatever, uh, how just how integral Robert Stack was to the success of the show and how he uh, lended a sort of, um, you know, gravity and and, uh, or uh, gravitas to the show with his uh, profile and his voice and all that. And uh, then thirdly, for me personally, and this is just a me thing, this is a, a stupid, illogical thing. I'll be so the first. you don't think they should have a host? No, I think they should have a host, but I'm saying the fact that, that it's not Robert Stack it automatically is not starting off on a good foot for them. Yeah, no. For, call, for, for, for going in and calling it Unsolved Mysteries proper, you know? Yeah, that's um, why I wouldn't be surprised at all if there is no host. It's just intro and then the case that they're that would be so lame if they did that if they did not have a host because someone's gonna have to narrate it obviously i don't know they talked i saw something on our group so that someone was saying like david Duchovny, the guy x files guy i don't know i don't know i mean yeah i like david Duchovny, but i don't know about that um and that like but my third thing my irrational kind of thing is I just have such a nostalgia for how they portrayed the 80s and 90s and how and how, my love for that time period because it reminds me of childhood and those uh, yeah. those warm fuzzy feelings of seeing the old cars and the way people dressed and the just old like before all like just before adulthood hit me and all the stuff all the crap you know yeah. that that it brought with it when I watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, I, I see a simpler time in America, in the world, and um, that's that's one of those kind of intangible things for me that's just not going to uh, be there in the new Unsolved Mysteries. So I, I will watch this show, and, and I will, if it's good, I will like it based on its new merits, but I won't like it as, it, as though it's canon- with the old unsolved mysteries. Well, yeah, exactly. Like if if I think it's a decent show, I'll be one of the first to admit it. But I just I don't like what I'm reading. I don't like the one episode uh, per uh, you know the one mystery per episode. I don't like that idea. Uh, that makes me feel it's only twelve parts, so that makes me feel that there's going to be a limited amount of uh, space for paranormal or fraud cases or. Yeah, that's, that brings up another point, because what if, you know, what if the ratings on a certain topic uh, don't do well in the back in the olden days of Unsolved Mysteries? It, say the uh, UFO segments didn't do as well. Well, oh, well, they're couched in there with segments that do do well. So you just get it all together, whether you like it or not. Yeah. You're watching that UFO segment because it's couched in with the rest of the segments. Now, uh-huh. if, you know, they do a paranormal segment, which are my favorites, and it gets shitty views or ratings or whatever, they, yeah. they might just on the fly be like, okay, well, we did a, we profiled a UFO case, and that one didn't do as good as the murder case. Because I can tell you right now, it's not going to do as good as the murder case. Murders no, and true crimes are going to reign supreme, and they're going to get the best views. But back in the day, what made Unsolved Mysteries uh, Unsolved Mysteries interesting was that you got it was unique. all that variety in one 45-minute kind of block. It was a smorgasbord. Yeah. And so it was yeah. delicious. And I don't want bland, you know, I don't just want one type of cheese and like one, you know, uh, batch of rich crackers, because that's what this would be if that if, they, if, they, if, they, if that's all it's going to do. It's just going to be one case per episode 
And I guarantee a good chunk of them are going to be murder. They're going to be murder mysteries. And what about missing persons? What about, you know, kidnappings? What about all these other, you know, subcategories and stuff like that? Or how about when you look, you know, you go to check out the newest episode of Unsolved Mysteries and it's like a fucking lost love and that's the whole episode. And it's like, oh man, come on. I gotta sit through 45 I, I minutes of this. I don't think they're gonna do that. They know better than that. Well, you read off just, you just read off in that article that. Yeah, that I know was it said be... lost love, but I, I think they're just mentioning that. But I mean, if that's, if they do a 45 minute, 40, 45 minute lost love case. That better be the best lost love case. <laughs> it better of be like that. Time. It better be like some Chilean migrant pulled out of a fucking mine <laughs> who had like lived there for ten years, and it was like a boxcar <laughs> child or something, and you know. But I mean, like with with the lost loves they did on the original Unsolved Mysteries, it was great for that five to ten minute kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. And then that was it. I mean, if you do like a typical lost love case where, you know, a, 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 a woman finds her long lost father, I mean, you know, the first 10 minutes they're greeting each other and it's warm and fuzzy. And then what do you get to pad the rest out with them like playing Scrabble on a Wednesday night? <laughs> like, well, we've already caught up on everything. Uh, so uh, what's your favorite kind of cheese? <laughs> what? You like Munster? I like cheddar. I don't like you after all. Actually, that might be interesting if that ended up happening on a Lost Love episode. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad everyone's excited about the show. You know, uh, I'm never going to get upset about that, that people are just glad, you know, excited that yeah. it's coming back. But I feel like a lot of that excitement is like they feel like their childhood is going to get brought back to them or something like 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 oh unsolved mysteries is coming back i associate well, that with good just, things you should just watch the original series well that's and on that's, Amazon. that's been I my mean... contention the whole time ever <laughs> since day one it's like dude just put out every single thing you have because uh, as we've seen there's so many things that didn't make it onto amazon prime that are great segments that we've talked about recently in fact the last yeah. like five or six episodes of this podcast. But the podcast, reason why that's not going to happen is, is because yeah, of legal like red tape so and legal quagmires and so forth. I get that. But I mean, yeah, you know, it's like this isn't going to bring your childhood back and, and just set your expectations at a reasonable level. That's all I would say. Mine are very low because I know the history of reboots and remakes and it's not very good, especially lately. Yeah, a mine, lot of it's just brand name recognition. It's just slap a name that people know onto a product and then profit. That's what they expect is going to happen. And most of the time, it doesn't do as well as they think. And a big part of it is because they don't put enough effort into it. And I'm really worried that there won't be enough passion put into this project and enough effort put into this project to really make it live up to the name Unsolved Mysteries. Well put, Mike. All right, I think we can move on to uh, the cases now. Speaking of Unsolved Mysteries cases, uh, we're covering the... um the case of uh, Jack Quinn or John Anthony Quinn, rather, who looks like a mob boss. He looks like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he looks like that, or he looks like like a badass butler or something. Like <laughs> he looks like a but he looks like <laughs> like a butler you don't really want to fuck with. <laughs> kind of he. Kinda, for me, he just he looks like a mob boss or like a, a bad guy. He kind of like he, he has this look about him, like he's just not someone to be trusted. He looks like he looks like Walt Disney's delinquent cousin. <laughs> you know, he kind of has that somewhat uh somewhat pencil mustache somewhat hitler stash i don't know what it is but 
Um, this is in his more cleaned up photo when he was. Uh, oh, up. that's just uh, Donald Disney or David Disney. It's just David Disney, old Dave Disney. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's that's Walt's delinquent cousin's name. Um, but yeah, <laughs> when he was a banker, he had that look. But then when he went on the run, or according to his driver's license picture, he looks like just just a fucking hippie, um, long beard. And <laughs> yeah, he does. Just, yeah, he just made some weird transition. Looks like he went to the. He, he decided to uh, uh, travel cross country to go to Grateful Dead concerts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's a deadhead. <laughs> oh, I should mention, uh, if you guys want to join our Facebook group for this podcast, it's uh, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Just type that into Facebook and search the group uh, group section. And, and trust me, if you like this show, you want to join the Yeah, group. you'll want to join the group. I won't say why, but uh, there, there are reasons. Um, so anyway, this guy, John Anthony Quinn, um, we'll just call him Jack. Oh, now I remember what he looks like. He looks like that guy. Have you, uh, have you seen Magnum P.I.? No. That show? Um, he looks like Higgins, who was, uh, the, uh, not necessarily the boss, but kind of the boss of, uh, of Tom Selleck's character. That's what it reminds me of. Magnum P.I. Higgins. Oh, oh yeah, he does look like that. Good call, Mike. <laughs> good call and good interruption. So anyway, uh, Jack Quinn was vice president and general manager of Federal Protection Services, a company that provided security and armed guards to banks and other financial institutions. Every day, the firm handled millions of dollars in cash. On the, on the morning of Saturday, April 9th, 1988, Jack arrived at his office early, as usual. Only a supervisor, Harry Goldberg, was working that morning. According to Harry, there was nothing unusual. I walked down the hall several times to pick up coffee or whatever. And every time I'd go past that window, I'd look in and see him sitting at the desk, just as calm, cool, and collected as you'd ever want to see him. Somehow, without being noticed, Quinn spent most of the morning in the vault transferring the money into boxes. He put the money from the vault into the trunk of his company car and an additional $107,000 into the trunk of his personal car. He then asked Harry Goldberg to follow him home. When he arrived home... Quinn dropped off his car and said goodbye to his wife. Harry Goldberg drove Quinn back to the office. Quinn got into the company car that now held over a million dollars and headed to the airport. Police believed he had transferred $1.3 million into suitcases. When he arrived at the airport, Quinn unloaded his car and vanished. James Cavanaugh, a special agent for the FBI, was a lead investigator on the case. The trail for Quinn stops at Palm Beach International Airport. From that point, we have no idea where Mr. Quinn has gone. Indications are that he did not take a plane, he did not rent a car, and he did not take a cab. When her husband failed to come home that evening, Quinn's wife called his office. They had no idea where he was or what he had done. The next morning, she found $107,000 in the trunk of, his car, of their car and turned it into the police. She also found a letter that read in part, quote, I have done something very wrong and I can't stay and face the consequences. According to the special agent Kavanaugh, Quinn walked away with untraceable bills. Now, now, before you go further into that, like, I want to ask you and, and other people like who are listening, like, what would you do? Like your significant other or someone that you knew for a, lot, a good chunk of your life, all of a sudden disappears and then here's like all this money like would you keep it would you turn it in like well what would you do 
first I would try to figure out where the fuck the person is. Um, yeah. I, I, I'd try to find th that out. Number one. Uh, number two. Mm, it's a very suspicious situation. And if you can't find the person and there's a lot of found money in your car. Yeah. You know, the cops are going to be like, why did yeah, but what if but you know what if you do something with that money so then you know now that brings up another question is it illegal for uh if 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 you found money in your spouse's car is it illegal for you to just take that money and spend it or do whatever with it and not tell the police because i mean it technically probably is but if you don't get caught well i'm thinking to myself like it's your spouse, so, I mean, couldn't you reasonably assume that, well, my husband's a banker. I don't know how he got the money, but he does have a good job. I mean, yeah. maybe he pulled it out of his 401k or his retirement fund for whatever reason and gave it to me before he left, so I was taken care of. Would it Would it be, would, this, would that person be culpable of a crime at that point, you know, the spouse? I don't know. I, I, it doesn't seem like they would. Um, it's like if 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 it's like that Facebook meme where like oh if you found a bag of money like would you turn it in or would you keep it you know that type of thing there's no consequences you wouldn't get caught depends on where I found it honestly yeah if I found a wallet outside of a Walmart and it had money in it I'd I'd absolutely turn it in uh, I, yeah. I did find a wallet outside of a uh, CVS one time and it had like 50 something bucks in there. And I think it had the kid's ID in there as well. And, you know, I remember losing money and stuff as a kid and how yeah. shitty that felt. So I fucking I GPS the dude's uh, location on the license and I uh, drove it over to the house, knocked on the door. And nobody answered. So I just dropped the wallet on the ground. Found the kid on Facebook, sent him a message saying, hey, I found your wallet in the parking lot of CVS. I dropped it off at the address that was on the license. I hope that's where you still live. And I didn't hear from him for a oh. while. And then he hit me up later on thanking me profusely. And he's like, oh. that's really cool, man. Not a lot of people wow. would have done that. You know, a good Samaritan. Yeah. He's like, all the money was still in there and everything. Not not oh. a lot of people would have done that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like when I uh, I found some ladies to a debit card that was just sitting at a bus stop and i just called the number on the back immediately and had them cancel it well the debit card it's a little easier because um it's you know you have so you, you got to know the pin number and all that to actually use it yeah but still not necessarily online you don't have to have a pin number to use that online oh yeah that's true yeah that's true you could have gone on a spending spree yeah yeah good point dude debit cards are so ridiculously in unsecured uh ways of spending like I, online, I, yeah. Unless you have like you know you have good you know virus and, and stuff like that and everything you know. I would say use a credit card anytime you can because with credit cards you do have protections and you can just. I still have protections with my debit card. Oh, good for you. So anyway, um, <laughs> Special Agent Kavanaugh um, said Quinn walked away with um, untraceable bills. He said. There are no pre-recorded serial numbers. There are no bait bills. The money's of a varied denomination um, and basically could never be traced to him. There you go. Like, you know, and some people could look at me like, oh my God, like, are you criminal? But like, if somebody left me that money, I mean, it's not traceable. 
You know, fuck it. I'm. I. I, I, <laughs> I mean, what? What? The bank should get it. Like the bank are already. You know, is, is probably doing fine. The government should get it. Who already have enough money? It's like it's untraceable. So like, fuck it. Give me that money. It's just, I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, he's a fucking. He already was making a lot of money, and then he did. He, then, yeah. then he had to take more. It's just that. It's just the greed and those kind of like is, white but collar I'm just saying, bastards. like, if I didn't know for sure that it was somebody who stole it, you know, it was like, oh, it's somebody I know and there's money that they're giving me. I'd be like, all right. You know, it'd be even cooler is if like as as the spouse, like you are already wanting to like divorce the bastard anyway. Yeah. And not only does he leave, but he leaves you a lot of money as well. It's like, well, this, yeah. this is just all right. <laughs> like Exactly. So Quinn was known to appreciate the good life. He rented a 10-acre house ranch. Friends wondered how he could afford this extravagant lifestyle on his $35,000 a year income, which... A horse ranch, not a house ranch. Oh, uh, well, I mean, a house ranch would be cooler. Like a <laughs> just ranch a of, of just a shit ton of houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they grow houses on the ranch and they sell them to people. That's how it works. I'm not from <laughs> Earth, people. Instead of horses in a pen, it's a little fucking yeah, It's little, house. little tiny houses. <laughs> <laughs> in a corral oh look at that one that's a midwestern style and that's a fucking artesian house and oh whatever so $35,000 a year income I mean we pretty much for inflation that's more than any of us make I mean you pretty much have to double that uh, to yeah. you know, about 70000 in today's money um, mm -hmm. I make around that in like 2019 not in 19 whenever the fuck this was so uh if i could go back in time and have that amount you know that then i'd be balling well, in the that 90s. amount now is 60 70 thousand dollars yeah yeah which i don't i don't come anywhere near that so anyway, in their investigation, police learned that Quinn had once been suspected of stealing $70,000 at another firm before he went to work at Federal Protection Services. Carl Fulgen Fulgenzi was the president of Federal Protection Services at the time of Quinn's theft. Several weeks prior to this theft, we learned that the IRS was after Jack Quinn to settle a, subs to settle a substantial amount of money. It was quite obvious to me that the reason he pulled this job is because he was going to lose everything and possibly go to jail. I find it kind of ironic that the president, you know, it's the Federal Protection Services that hired this guy. And this guy cleaned out the Federal Protection Services. Yeah, it happens. They didn't have any protection from Jack Quinn. There are also reports that Quinn had been conducting an ongoing affair. A month prior to the theft, Quinn would leave home at 5 a.m., not yet arrive at work until 9.30. Police speculated that he used the time to see his girlfriend. They also speculated that the two may have run away together. God, who the fuck wants to have that early of a hangout? Yeah. I don't care how hot the girl is. She's like, baby, come see me at 6 a.m. I'm like, I'm sorry, girl, but you're going to have to find someone else. Josh goes to bed at 6 a.m. sometimes. So, and I'd rather like I'd rather see the inside of my own eyelids. Yeah, exactly. At that <laughs> ungodly hour. But for for people who work those nine to fives, then that's not that ridiculous, I guess. But for me, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, whatever the reason for his disappearance, today Jack Quinn is a wanted man. In all, Quinn walked away with one point three million dollars. 
Authorities believe he is living somewhere in Hawaii or near, near Baltimore, Maryland, and going by the name Calvin Clucky. <laughs> wow. Calvin Clucky. Jesus Christ. You can come up with any name you want, dude. And you said you, Calvin Clucky? Maybe it's Clucky, but st- even then it still sounds lame. So he's still wanted. In 1992, yep. the FBI traced Quinn to Houston, Texas after acquiring a driver's license under the name of his brother-in-law. However, he vanished again before the FBI could arrest him, and he is still wanted by the police. Authorities believe he may now be living in Hawaii or Maryland. He is stocky, five foot seven, with thinning brown hair, brown eyes, and would now be in his 70s. And he's fluent in Spanish for some and reason. I wonder if uh, the... Statute of limitations uh, might might have run out, considering. But it might it be it might be it might never though because it's a federal crime. So maybe because it's a federal crime, the statute of limitations doesn't run out. I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean the guy has all that money and untraceable bills, so it's going to be hard to be able to catch him because it's not like the money he has can be traced. So if he uses the money, then someone's going to be able to trace it back to him. So it's one of those things where, ooh, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit hard. Apparently, Mike, you weren't, you weren't the only one rooting for this guy because the one comment on the unsolved.com is from a guy named Ben Dover, and he goes, "He got away with this!" Exclamation point. I hope he lived all those thirty years with all that money! Exclamation point. He is probably <laughs> dead or in a nursing home by now. <laughs> Which is probably true. He is probably dead or because in a nursing home. Because to be home. honest, he stole money, but he didn't kill anyone. He's not a rapist. He's not, you know, anything like that. He stole money. That's that sucks. You know, it's it's breaking the law, and it's definitely something that I frown upon. But it, it, when it comes to, and it is a white collar crime in a lot of ways. But who, whose life did he really damage? Ever than maybe his wife, but she. It seems like she probably was probably about done with him anyway by the time he left. I just, I, I just, I, I just don't like bankers. I don't like these, like, yeah. you know, these people. So you're like, you're like Dan Aykroyd's judge character in, uh, in Nothing But Trouble. Bankers. <laughs> I hate bankers. Damn bankers. I mean, the guy already kind of had shit figured out. I mean, he was making 70K a year, you know, in today's money. Um, I yeah. mean, he, the, he had a decent job, a decent living. He just insisted on taking more and being even more and that greedy. is pretty you know that you know that is like come on man really but i mean it, when you compare it to other crimes like it's just not as you know what's hilarious is at the end at the bottom of all these unsolved.coms it says wa- yeah. watch this case now on amazon prime in season one with robert stack which you have to pay for or you can watch it on season three with Dennis Farina on YouTube for free. <laughs> so they, they 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 get it. They know the value of uh, Stack versus Farina. You can watch Farina for free, but like if you want some Stack, you gotta. You, gotta you want pay. some Stack, you gotta give us some stacks of, <laughs> of uh, your uh, cashola so, there. So the next uh, case we're gonna talk about is the case of James and Lisa Albert. Now this is a. Uh, it's not really fraud. It's more like, uh, well, kind of is in a way what they do with the, with the house that they were building. Um, this is an intriguing case, uh, because it kind of starts out as like, Oh, it's just this girl. She falls in love with this shady guy and she's being manipulated and da, 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 da. 
But then as it goes on further, you you get the feeling that she's actually in on it too. So then she's not really as innocent as she seems. And then there's all the all these other sort of twists and turns that happen with it. I mean, this has fraud, arson, uh, all 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 different types of stuff uh, going on in this case. It's a good one. Um, the reenactments are, are 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 good too. I would say the acting isn't necessarily the best, but that's part of why it's good. <laughs> uh, at least that's why it's why it's uh, definitely uh, worth mentioning. It's why it's entertaining, especially the guy who played James Albert. Uh, this guy's right up there is like one of the biggest scumbag, just assholes I've seen on Unsolved Mysteries that you just want to just punch him right in the face, right in his fat face, moon pie face. So uh, Lisa Marie Barnhart was one of seven sisters from a wealthy family. After graduating from college, she sold advertising for a newspaper in Charleston, South Carolina area. When she was 22... She began dating a local businessman named James Albert, 15 years her senior. Her family liked him and believed that he treated her well. He apparently spared no expense in showing his affection towards her. Uh, and they show in the reenactment, he shows up and he's it's like fat guy, uh, rich, chic, you know, like only only the fat guy is going to wear like the turtleneck with the thing, you know, with the suit over it. And because it makes him look a little bit more slim and he sits next to uh, her at the park bench and, and gets her a gift. It's a necklace. It's like, do you like it? And he's like, yes, I love it. All right, good. That's great. <laughs> And he's got a, you know, he's got the southern accent and everything, and he just seems like a guy who he's fucking leading her on. Like you could just like, this guy looks like he just oozes something. You know, he's that much of a slimy bastard. So, her family though cannot understand how James made so much money with a com- with a company that sold steel storage drums. Yeah, understandably so. Like he's buying all these lavish gifts and stuff. And he sells steel drums. Those two do not fit. So Lisa soon became a part of James's lavish lifestyle. She traveled with him and hosted parties for his business friends. And eventually they announced plans for a wedding. And however, her family was stunned when she revealed James's ideas about the guest list. He felt that her family did not fit well with the society and the class of people he was involved with. Lisa was not comfortable with this. However, she changed her mind when James decided that they would go overseas to get married. On December 22, 1987, the couple were married at a castle in Edinburgh, Scotland. No family or friends were in attendance. This guy, he's such a high roller. They get married at a fucking castle. Yeah, I mean, you know, clearly this guy is a very deep person, you know, outer appearances and and just, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, that means nothing to this man. He's a a wealth of depth and complexity. (laughs) So nearly two years passed, Lisa saw little of her family. She and James bought land on Kauai Island, a fashionable retreat just off the coast of Charleston. They began building the house of their dreams. The Alberts said that they planned to move in before Christmas of 1990. However, the dream house would never be occupied. 
On December 17, 1990, while the Alberts were out of town, their house caught on fire. The house, which was still under construction, was reduced to ashes in a matter of hours. And they actually show some uh, videotape uh, that somebody recorded of the house uh, on fire. And, and I think it was like near the uh, end of its uh, existence because it was it, it shot the footage just right before it would eventually just collapse. And it's a pretty big fire. That's for sure. So after the fire, the uh, so according to Lisa's family, she was very upset about the loss of her dream house. She told them that the house had caught fire while they were visiting James's sick friend who lived out of town. To me, that just sounds like an excuse. Like right off the bat, you know, doesn't that sound like a typical excuse that you'd hear? It's like it, you'd call into work and you'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to come into work today because I'm going to be visiting my sick friend who's out of town. It's a little too, <laughs> it, it checks a little too many of the boxes like, oh, it was my sick friend out of town who didn't have a telephone and there's no way of tracing whether this person actually existed. So, uh, you know, no, no, no point in investigating that any further. Yeah. So after the fire, the Alberts leased an elegant Charleston townhouse. According to Lisa's sisters, over the next few years, the magic seemed to drain from their marriage. Oh, wow, what a surprise. Shocker. James was apparently becoming very dominant and controlling over Lisa. And the way they show this in the reenactment is hilarious, because he's all he, he's like correcting her. It's like, it used to be so good. And he's like, it's used to. Used to, honey. Now make me a sandwich. <laughs> I'm fat. <laughs> it's just like what the fuck. It's used to, not used to. He looks like a he looks like a young Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys in the picture that yeah. they have up here on the uh, Wikia. Uh huh. I just love how he's just grilling her about fucking grammar. It's like it's used to, not used to, you dumb bitch. Oh, yeah, because she had, like, uh, the country, uh, yeah. some kind of country accent, and that bothered him, and yeah, uh -huh. oh, what a douche. So, he was apparently becoming very dominant. He would even listen in on her conversations with her sisters, and eventually she told her sister Nicole that she was leaving him because she was afraid of her life. She said that he was emotionally and mentally abusive towards her. She feared that he would also become physically abusive. On July 31st, 1993, two and a half years after the fire, Lisa finally left James. While he was away in business, she packed her bags and moved to an apartment on her own. According to her sisters, once Lisa left, she returned to her old self. She was happy and excited about being able to spend more time with her family and friends. However, James soon began stalking and harassing her. He called her and told her that he wanted to get back together with her. She told her sister that she was never going to go back with him. Inexplicably, just one week later, Lisa was back living with James. Again, however, again, she seemed to withdraw from her family. Now, uh, even before that, like, apparently he showed up like she was with some guy. She was driving around and he he started following her. And I guess I, I don't know, I guess that turned her on or something because like she ended up back up with him pretty soon afterwards. So it's like that's just somebody who has no self-respect. So apparently. Okay, I'll come back. Whatever you say. I... That's kind of how the actress really did do her, you know, perform her lines in that in the, in the reenactment. So 
that's actually pretty uh pretty accurate so um she's back again living with james she's seen to withdraw from her family two months passed with little contact then on october 27 1993 it was revealed that the fire at the albert home was set by arsonists incredibly the perpetrators claimed that they had been hired by james and lisa to set the fire her family was shocked by the allegations they were even more shocked to learn that the alberts had fled the country on october 22nd her sisters did not believe that she was involved in the arson of course not they also feared that they would never hear from her again however the fbi believes that lisa not only fled willingly with james but also covered her getaway with a deceptive phone call now i'm more inclined to believe the fbi over the sisters sisters i'm sorry no offense to the sisters when it comes to like criminal cases i'm leaning towards the fbi and what they have to say typical mike believing the fbi that's so like you wouldn't you believe the fbi <laughs> no i'm just fucking with you <laughs> i know you believe the fbi so they believe that uh on the day that she left, she called her place of employment and told them that she'd be sick and would not be in until the next week. After arriving in Paris, they then traveled to London, and their whereabouts have been unknown since November 6th of 1993. Investigators soon discovered that James had lost his job in June of 1990, six months before the fire. Apparently, bank loans earmarked for construction were diverted to pay for living expenses. This left the Alberts contractors claiming clamoring for payment. The funds were not there to pay for the specific contractors that were working on the house. And later in 1990, James approached one of the workmen on the house and discussed the possibility of flooding the house from the second floor down in order to collect insurance money. The workman informed him that this would not be possible because there was no water hooked up to the house at the time. I like how they didn't say that's not possible because that's fucking illegal and we yeah. don't want to get tied up in that. They're like, well, there's no hoses up hooked up up there or else we totally do it. <laughs> like what the fuck man their priorities are a little out of whack no it's not possible because there's no water hookups upstairs i mean trust me we totally want to like do this illegal thing with you and participate but oh, our hands are tied man son of a bitch yeah it sucks so the next idea was to burn the house down to collect the insurance money one of the workmen convicted in the case was interviewed by unsolved mysteries he claimed that his uncle had negotiated the arson for higher deer high for higher deal with James, and the workman was told by his uncle that they were going to be paid $10,000 to burn the house down. On December 16th, 1990, the workman and his uncle first picked up furniture from the Albert's apartment. They then drove to a storage facility to collect more of the Albert's possessions. The workman believes that Lisa was fully aware of the arson plot. According to him, she chose what was going to be burned in the fire and what wasn't. The Alberts apparently kept the expensive items but gave away cheaper items to be used. And Lisa also gave the workman her car keys and asked him to park her car in the garage. And it was an expensive car. It was a Jaguar. Don't you mean a Jaguar? <laughs> a Jaguar. A Jaguar. <laughs> so she told him that they were going to North Carolina and claimed that they were visiting friends. Yeah, I'm going to believe the workman here too, because what does he have to gain by lying? Really? Nothing? I mean, if you're getting married in a castle, you know, it seems, seems like you're douchey enough to do something like burn your own house down to collect the insurance money. <laughs> uh, now, now, like, literally everyone who got married in a castle who's listening right now is like, I take oh. umbrage to that comment. I guess 
people who I don't know, like they don't live in Scotland and they go out of their way to get married in a castle. There's a there's a bit of a douchebag factor behind that only because like, you know, historically kings live in castles, so and if you feel like yeah. in a subliminal way you're kind of saying I'm a king, so I deserve I deserve to be married in a castle. Yeah. Look at me. And it's just like, yeah, no. You're not. It's like Nicolas Cage buying Egyptian artifacts. <laughs> did he buy a fucking castle? He did. He bought a castle. Oh my god. Whoa. <laughs> it's Keanu Cage? Yeah, Ke <laughs> Keanu Cage. Yeah, it's, that's just right. What's wrong with that? So, uh, the workman said that he and his uncle drove to Kauai Island and moved the Albert's possessions into the house. And meanwhile, the Albert's headed out of town. The workman claimed that after unloading the possessions, he stayed the night at home, and at 4 a.m. the next morning, he woke up and set the house on fire. As fire investigators searched through the rubble, they made some curious discoveries. The house had no electricity, sewer, or plumbing of any kind. The toilets were sitting on the drain taps and were not bolted down. There was no plumbing underneath the sinks or the cabinets. And, yeah, that is really suspicious. That's just a giant red flag. That just shows gives me even more proof that she was in on it along with with uh james and uh they were they the plan all along was to burn the house down or to do something with the house that was not a dream house it was a it was a it was a dream machine to print money that's kind of basically in a way because it was like oh it's the house and we'll use that because we'll get a loan for the house and then we'll keep the money and then we'll you know burn the house down and then get insurance claim for that. That's so elaborate, man. Like, like, so many things have to go right for that to not blow up in your face and potentially do jail yeah. time. Like, I don't. What are people thinking sometimes? So over the next two years, payouts uh, to the Alberts topped three hundred thousand dollars in addition to the reimbursement of their construction loans. However, the Alberts felt that they were entitled to more, and they filed suit to get it. Now that's a mistake. Like, come on, you've already gotten away with a lot like come on like you really think you're all oh, you got away with this much you're gonna win a lawsuit now do you remember, now that there's you remember the case we talked about it was like the boat fraud what yeah. yeah like they 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 uh they did this whole elaborate thing with a boat and it and like finally the boat insurance people were like wait a second this is uh really fishy Exactly. What it reminds me of it's like your 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 insurance fraud greed just goes too far. You're playing with fire, like you were playing with fire before, and you're playing with even more fire here. Like just you, you, stop it. You're gonna get burned. Like damn, Mike is just just pun master P over here right now. God <laughs> damn, how many more puns could you fit into that? So. On October 22nd, uh, five days, actually, no, I'm going to go back to the, so uh, uh, September 26, 1993, there's so many dates here. A month after the couple reconciled, James and his attorney attended a formal deposition. There, the workman slash arsonist was questioned by an attorney for the insurance company. At the deposition, he admitted to setting the fire at the direction of the Alberts. And on October 22nd, five days before the story was released to the public, the Alberts skipped town with roughly $80,000 in cash. They were both indicted on 25 counts each. If they're convicted, they both could spend the rest of their lives in prison. However, Lisa's family is so convinced that she is innocent. Investigators, though, believe that the couple may have returned to the United States. 
and they do not believe that Lisa is innocent. I mean, does the fucking family ever think that their family member is, is not innocent? I mean, the only time I can think of that being different was the Bonnie Haim case that actually happened here in Jacksonville yeah. where... But there's other ones that's like, it's obvious. Like, there's so many factors and so many things that point to her not being innocent. Like, even if you're a family member, you should be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... She's guilty. I guess it puts you in a weird spot because if the family doesn't appear on the TV show, then it's kind of like, well, what are you, what are you hiding? Yeah. But if they do appear on the TV maybe show, they th- maybe they did think she was guilty, but they said otherwise on the yeah, show. Yeah, because you can't go. It's not like you can go on the show and be like, she did it. I mean, fuck. I mean, the only time that that's gonna happen. I'd love to see that. Just <laughs> <laughs> they even have to bleep the F <laughs> word. She did it. Beep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the oh only time God. they really cop to anything like that is if somebody like jumps yeah. bail and like the, or they don't like them or they don't like them anyway. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she's she's guilty. Totally. Yeah. You kind of see a lot about like human psychology when you have these people, you know, on the shows and what what you know, what they feel the verdict of the person is and all yeah. that. You know, it kind of tells you about like how people like are. if something happened, uh, you know, in the Brady Bunch and you had like Marsha was like, you know, went, ran away with some fucking shady guy and the FBI is investigating her. You know, Jan would be like, she's guilty, that fucking bitch. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it does, though, it really does boil down to, like, how likable are you? Like, if you're, yeah. if you're a likable person, even if you're a piece of shit, a lot of times you, get, you can get away with murder, like, literally, mm. as we've seen. And if you're unlikable... Then you can get uh, pinned for shit that you didn't actually do. Just kind of yep. all depends on a lot of various factors. So apparently they were captured uh, in April of 1996. The Alberts traveled to the United States from Europe. Lisa phoned her sister Linda from an Atlanta hotel and told her where she and James would be for the following hour. She also asked Linda to call the authorities. FBI agents arrested the Alberts outside of their ho- hotel without incident. Four days later, James committed suicide in his jail cell. Wow. Jeez. Hey. Getting heavy. It's not a very dignified way to die. I did not expect him to do that. Lisa faced charges of arson and fraud in South Carolina, and it is not known how much time in prison Lisa received. She has since been released. I don't get that. How do you not know how much prison time somebody got? Kind of bizarre. Yeah, you'd think that'd be like kind of like a public information. Yeah, it'd be a public record type deal. Yeah. So she was guilty. I mean, uh, I think she liked the high life. She liked living the high life. It became addicting to her. And I think she was also gullible and easily manipulated. And he was playing mind games with her. And so on and yeah, so forth. I was gonna so s- I do feel that she was victimized in a, in, in a lot of the ways that she mentioned. She probably was abused mentally, you know, and, and physically and emotionally. But I also believe that I think she got a case of Stockholm Syndrome, like a lot of people do, and also got accustomed to this uh, affluent lifestyle. And because of that, uh, it was hard for her to quit. 
Yeah, it's we'll it's like one of those things where if she never met that guy, would she have ever done that? No, probably not. But that's still no excuse, you know? Like, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. And that whole, he was an overbearing man, and I just I was just a, a woman, and I couldn't make up my own mind about it. It's like, yeah, that can only go so far. If we're truly being, if we truly want equality, we have to hold everybody uh yeah. at an equal level of uh resp- culpability not like that fucking garbage gillette ad oh my god like gillette just stick to making the advertisements oh about- look at mike bringing up current current controversial topics just just stick to making advertisements about non-political issues like come on do, 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 did you did you take umbrage with that commercial i just thought it was tone deaf how so? so? That's the thing. It, it, it's it's because it, it's doing this whole thing where it's all like toxic masculinity and whatever. And, and not only is it tone deaf, but it's confusing because, oh, you know, it's talking about that. But then there's like women and then there's like kids. And like, what are we talking about here? Like, there were so many different things going on at once. It was just muddled and confused. It reminded me of the Pepsi ad, you know, Kylie Jenner or whatever. That, that was equally as confusing. It's one of those things where it's like, brands, stay the fuck out of politics. You don't know what you're doing. And Gillette, just go back to fucking doing ads for, you know, manly men who, you know, want to watch an ad with the fucking fighter jet or your 80s advertisements that were <laughs> testosterone uh personified i don't know that shit sounds kind of lame to me i don't really connect with that kind of you know manly man i don't really shit. connect with it either but it's their identity and, and and if you're gonna try to do this whole sort of uh political stance and uh no toxic masculinity and blah 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 blah, blah Damn, you, you, you need to look at your Mike. Do you got? You need to look you at, have a party going on in the background. No, it's just my parents. They, they're, 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 they're. I don't know what's going. Are they on. like <laughs> scoot, scoot, booting around the house, just having a, a gay old time? <laughs> so anyway, Gillette has a lot of stuff in their closet. They used to have uh, models who were dressed in skin tight uh, uniforms with Gillette plastered across their plastered across their asses. So, yeah, and you're not the company to be doing this kind of thing. Yeah, but so the thing about it is, uh, like, my my to, my whole thing about that, that, art, that you know, I, I, if, I, if I had just seen that commercial and was and lived in a vacuum and was not surrounded by social media, I would have seen it and I would have I said, like, like, I had to look up the commercial on fucking YouTube, which is a pretty sad state of affairs. Well, yeah, that's what, that's what I had to do, too. Like... <laughs> I have to look up a damn commercial like what the fuck you know we used to avoid those like the plague and now I'm looking it up like what what kind of switcheroo has happened to me but I just don't get the point of it it's not good for advertising well I look up the commercial and I watch it and I see the commercial I thought some of the shots were done well where they're doing the they're they're panning down or yeah they're panning down all the guys and they're like this whole like infinite line of grills and they're like saying boys will be boys boys will be boys I just liked that shot from a cinematic, like artistic level. Yeah. Um, but the ad itself, I mean, 
we've been beaten over the head as as guys we've been beaten over the head with the fact that we are all pieces of shit trash yeah by all kinds of various movements for the past few years since it's become a trendy you know thing on twitter and this and the other so when i saw this commercial i thought well this this was a much less harsh way of beating me over the head and telling me i'm a piece of shit so i yeah but it's still not it's it's but you're the fact that you're mentioning it's happened so much makes it even less necessary because we already know a lot of people already know that already and it just comes across as some really desperate attempt to get to to uh, kind of get to, to look to look like uber progressive like look at us we're 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 the brand that's going to be on the right side of history yeah telling or telling or, or just to get in the news just to get gillette in the fucking news because well, gillette you know, hasn't been in the news forever dollar shave club's been kicking gillette's ass and exactly. and chick because they because yeah. they held the fucking industry they held them in a chokehold with their little fucking not monopoly but it's a duopoly or whatever if you have two of them you had chick and gillette if you wanted to shave your fucking bush or shave your face those were the only two options really and dollar shave club came in with their millennial focused ads and Uh their really good deals and shit and i think that's i think that's why gillette might have done that too is they're trying to maybe appeal to the millennials or the liberal you know yeah probably so but I don't think that'll come across as well as they think, because they'll be like, "Screw it! I'm I'm just gonna they're gonna I'm still gonna do Dollar Shave Club. Why am I gonna go to you guys? You're still gonna charge me too much money." Yeah, oh yeah. At the end of the day, it's all about the dollars and cents. <laughs> I mean, if you're charging, if you're still, yeah, oh great, you know, man, yeah, you know, yeah, men call another man out if he's being a creepy piece of shit. I've done that. I've had, pe- and yeah, I'm I totally I'm totally in support of that. I'm just I just I'm not in, I don't like political. Uh, stances and advertising. It doesn't bother. I mean, me, it, just, I see it, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. You know, on to the next thing that advertise I'm consuming. Advertise me your fucking product. That's what your advertisements are for. If you are having, if you make shave products, then advertise me shave products. Don't advertise me fucking politics. That's not what you do. Stay in your lane. Damn. That's, damn, that's my that's my personal opinion on that. Just stay in your lane. It doesn't mean that. I, I, you know, I, I definitely do feel there are men out there that are pieces of shit and should be called out for it. But, um, and some people have reacted to to this in hilarious ways. Like this guy on Facebook, he posts a response to it. It's like, like, you're not going to tell me how to raise my kids or blah, 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 blah. And it's a picture of this guy in a field of flowers. He's got a fucking AR-15 on his shoulder his son is holding a shotgun and he's got like his daughter in the middle and she's got she's not holding any guns and then there's this other little brother who's holding a handgun and i'm like dude there were no fucking guns in that advertisement it was not about taking away your guns (laughs) that wasn't what it was about which is just hilarious it's it's so comical it's like, come on, man. It's a total farce. It's like, I just don't know fuck? why people had to. I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't get the, uh, there was this big outrage and a big reaction. And I'm like, why can't people be adults and just look at it and just, I mean, my reaction to most things is meh, whatever. 
I think it's like, just why because can't there be jo- more reactions like that, Mike? That's all I want to know. Why can't there be more? Meh, whatever. Let me go about the rest of my day with more important shit that matters. That's that's honestly how I initially reacted to it. It's just I I it's I just have a personal problem with with politics and advertising. Fair. I mean, it's that's just, that's just, fair enough. But I mean, you know, these companies. Coca-Cola, they all, they, uh, there's always like, you know, one time per well, year. Well, I mean, the they one that out. was really stupid, well, let me the saying. controversy. Let me finish what I'm saying. There's like a one time per year that these fucking advertisement companies come out and they're like, we have a heart and, you know, look at us yeah. with our social conscience and they, they, they pr- have some preachy commercial. This is nothing new. They've been doing this since the fucking 80s with like. Gillette doesn't do that though. That's what I'm talking but, about. Yeah, like, but you just... got to start. So, I mean, there was a time when Pepsi didn't or Coke didn't do that. And then one time they just decided to. It's it's like. Th- th- There's still no point to it because it doesn't sell more product. Mike, there is. So, it, it, it don't you understand? We're talking about impact. Gillette right now for free. They're not paying us anything to talk about their company and raise awareness of them. But that's exactly what they're doing. What do you mean there yeah, was no but point? Nobody's. There's so much there of a point. Still, no, there still is no point. You know why? Because it's not going to increase the sales for their product. That's what I'm talking about. Like it's just going to people are going to talk about it. Sometimes but it's not for a lot of these companies. It's not the about necessarily increasing sales. the sales. It's about raising awareness that their brand exists. So that's that's stupid. That's a waste of money because that's never going to you're not going to you're not going to add anything to your bottom line. That's like if you have like a controversy, for example, with a film or something and there's some controversy involved with it. And that's happened before. And then it comes out and it's a bomb. Nobody cares. Like it, 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 it what it, what did that really serve? That's my point here. Like, what is the point of it? it, it oh, it's to get people to talk about it. So. Is that going to equal more people buying more uh, shaving products? I bet they have some kind of chart in their offices where it does show that. Well, we've shown here on our charts that ever since that commercial, sales of Gillette razors have gone up 0.3%. That means an extra $52,000 in profits. I doubt it. I think someone's going to get fired for this. Do you? Really? I really do. Because I I think the backlash is actually going to piss off people who were Gillette who did buy Gillette products, you're going to have a lot of people, you know, who are pissed off and are not going to buy Gillette products now and go to Schick or go to Dollar Shave Club. So I, I don't, I don't think it was a good idea to do that. They're appealing to a market that is already catered to who doesn't give a fuck about Gillette. So the market that they're catering to, they just pissed off. I don't think that that was just not, that was not, they did not think that through. Now, uh, isn't isn't the right wings are, like aren't aren't they the ones always calling the leftists snowflakes and well yeah it's it's saying that but that's the thing they they react the same way and i mean bringing up coke prime example of this here's an advertisement i had no problem with the advertisement that talked about america the coke did at the super bowl a while back and people from different countries were singing the anthem in 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 different in, in different uh languages you had people like, it's the American, it's the national anthem, should be sung in Spanish. You know, so there were people who got, you know, pissed off at that. That's ridiculous. The people who got upset at this, I think some of the people, I think they have the right idea because they're like, what the hell is this? It's not focused. It's all over the fucking place. And who are you to be telling me this? 
And there were some people who were just like, oh, fuck these liberals, you know, up there, you know, pansy asses. But that's a whole other thing. It, it's just, it, it's... I just, I I just think it's that, kind of funny because, so, if you're right wing, you, you can't wear Nike shoes now. You can't use Gillette razors. <laughs> uh, I mean, for for the, the side that always lobs the phrase snowflake over the net, they sure are getting uh, butthurt on a lot of things well, lately. Well, they do that too. Every, you know, that's the thing. Well, that's, that's, that's just what's so funny about, that's why all of it is fucked. All of it is stupid, and that's why I don't participate in any of it. I am not left wing. I don't either. I am not right wing. I think you're all a I'm, bunch of idiots. I'm no wing. I really do. I'm no wing. I'm no. Yeah, I have no wings. I'm not flying. I'm on the ground. I don't like flying anyway. Um, or wing in a in a big like mansion. So that's a bigger reason why I'm like stop giving putting politics and advertising. But like my whole thing, I was like, I have no. I I watched it. and I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, you have some points. Yeah. But you know, what? I don't care. I'm not angry. I I don't. I'm not angry either. I, it's just annoying to me. It's just like, ugh. Guys, you know what this is right now? This is called filler. When your segment, <laughs> when your segment didn't last as long as you thought it would, <laughs> this that's what this is. This is this is filler yeah. right now. You know how fucking thinly veiled uh, this yeah. podcast is of just being like a society and culture podcast where. <laughs> <laughs> We are like inching ever closer to just being like a Joe Rogan, but not, uh, not whatever yeah. he is, yeah. our Mike and Josh version, where it's just <laughs> stream of consciousness, whatever you want to call it, yeah. where we just talk about uh, societal things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't get, I fucking like it. I like talking about this kind of stuff every now and then. Um, yeah, I think I think it's. I mean, it is a mystery, you know that. This just this this kind of thing persists, especially why Gillette did this after the disaster that was the Pepsi ad. Like, you you should have you, you should have seen that and been like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't we should not do. You that. know what's crazy is that like, I think even if you have good intentions, I don't think you're ever gonna be going to be able to nail it well enough with the message. No, because there's too many different opinions out there. So that's why it is just a, a stupid idea to make it I, I made a video on my youtube channel talking about that h3h3 podcast with bill burr yeah and i was pretty much just reporting the news on that fucking video yeah. i wasn't really even giving an opinion and i i know and i still got trashed in the comment section of course and it's like that's just that's the internet and that's that's where a lot of this shit spawns from you know if if a bunch of people at the water cooler actually met up in person and had some kind of a conversation about this Gillette ad, it would not get that heated, I don't think. Not as heated no. as it does on Twitter and the internet and all that. No. People sit behind their keyboards and their anonymity and they just turn into complete just uh, know-it-all fucking, you know, name-calling babies. And it's just funny to me because it's like, I'm more about living in the real-world mindset and that's how I try to conduct myself online, you know, the same way. I got I grew out of that whole, oh, I'm behind a keyboard, so I can I can call anybody anything I've ever wanted. I can say yeah, how I really I mean, feel and there's no repercussions. I grew out of that years ago. And it is so ago. crazy when you get like tough guys, you know, who act, you know, act all tough and shit, you know, when they're hiding behind their anonymous profiles and their keyboards and acting all tough and and it's just like, come on, like, and and when people are acting childish too, you're an adult and you're fucking acting like elementary school students. Like, what? Wh- why? 
I, I mean, if you if it's a twelve year old talking shit, that's one thing. But if you're a thirty five, forty year old talking shit about fucking VHS tapes, like what the fuck is your problem? Like <laughs> seriously, this is getting personal. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm feeling like <laughs> it's a little bit personal. Did, but you, did, you, have another, probably... did you have another VHS tape run in? No, I don't. I did not. Okay. But I'm just saying, it's one of those things that. Are we far? It, it just Mike, it, it exemplifies we, how how just just ridiculous. That are we is. far removed enough from that original situation where you can tell that story now, or do you still not want to talk about it? I still don't want to talk about oh. it. It's just it's just kind that was of such a good stuff. Yeah. The level of trolling <laughs> and craziness and just loserdom on that end. Hopefully, one day Mike yeah. will share. He had a bad uh, experience in a Facebook group and. Hopefully one day I might, I, I, you know, maybe one of these days, maybe do a Patreon thing. Oh, okay. Then there's a little bit more safe. Yeah. More yeah. You're behind there. a wall, a paywall. <laughs> um, shit. What else? Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't have a problem with the message that's in the, that's being displayed in that advertisement. I want to make that clear. What, what I, I, what I have a problem with is how it's displayed and the fact that it's in a fucking Gillette ad. I mean, for me, it's like, that should be like a non-profit thing. Let's do a message from, you know, some other company that's non-profit telling us about this. Or like an actual corporation that has an advertisement saying that stop with the workplace harassment. Not a fucking shaving uh, product company. I mean, first of all, my biggest problem is Gillette is a Frenchy name, and ain't no <laughs> Frenchy gonna tell me how to raise my kid. But although I will say, uh, the they were saying you know to break break it up when the kids were like fighting each other in the in the yard. Um, I wish I wish adults would actually like use their fists instead of guns when they have an issue with someone. Yeah. Like that is like the ultimate pussy thing to do. Like I have an issue with you so much so that I want to settle some score, but uh, you know, instead of just settling it fist to fist, I'm going to use a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. That doesn't really tie into the uh, commercial at all. Yeah. There were way. no guns. Now, if there were guns then I could <laughs> see why people, you know, the gun pro gun, crowd would be pissed at that advertisement but i i don't get the the pro-gun crowd being you're taking away my guns and mention they want to take your guns <laughs> i want to take your guns now just for you sounding like that they honestly. just they just want you i want to, to knock on their people. i want to knock on their door and be like come on come on give me the gun no no give me the gun but the thing is, that's just lost when just this cacophony of fucking chaos the way that that, that ad was edited so that's the problem whatever the message is confusing <laughs> all right we're gonna go ahead and uh, so, tap uh, out of this and uh promote yep. the shits and um i'll wait for my <laughs> panera to get here and uh, then i'll eat and be happy um and then and then you'll then you'll take some shits perhaps perhaps <laughs> i've been eating a lot more fiber lately to try to help with that probably a little too much information but um <laughs> it's not been the best lately so that might have been a better off-air thing to talk about. Anyway, um, <laughs> you could cut that. Out. No, I'm not editing anything on this. I'm tired of editing shit. You're just like fuck. Yeah, it, pretty fuck much. It. So, uh, if you want to join, if you want to uh, kick us some uh, some shekels on Patreon, it's Patreon.com/slash/UncoveringUnexplainedMysteries. We upload the episodes early. There is a bonus segment on there 
of a ghost story that me and my bandmate Stephanie went through and talked about. It was actually a super interesting story. Almost wish we had saved it for our mainline podcast, but it was so fucking long that it would have been a whole episode. I mean, the bonus segment I did with Stephanie was like an hour 15, so you'll get that and all the other previous bonus stuff out we've done throughout the year or two that we've had Patreon. Uh, I already mentioned the Facebook group. It's, you know, go to Facebook and type in Uncovering Explained Mysteries and join the group there. You can like our fan page on Facebook as well. Um, if you want to see more of me and Mike doing our thing separately, but always very equivalent to one another, uh, you can check Mike out on YouTube. He's a movie guy. He reviews movies. He's uh, youtube.com slash OCP communications. Mike, what was the last movie that you reviewed? Um, the last video I did was actually not a movie review. It was, I was talking about my worst movie theater experiences. Oh, okay. What, what, give me one of them. Okay. Um, Unless it's like an hour long, then don't. No, it's not an hour long. I'll, I'll, I'll go with the second worst. It's, uh, I saw a double feature of Silent Night, Deadly Night and Black Christmas with a friend of mine in North Carolina. And the first film, when it went on without a hitch, Silent Night, Deadly Night, it was, it was fun. The second film, Black Christmas, was horrible because the sound was so loud. It was too loud. It was so loud that I had to cover my ears. I had to plug my ears. <laughs> God damn. And it was, I could still hear it, and it was still loud. It was painful. Like, it was physically painful. <laughs> That's how loud the sound was for that print and and i i always I, I will always remember there's a scene in the film where the, the actor john saxon his character he's a police captain and he shows up he's got a megaphone and i'm like oh my god you know he's, he's got the megaphone and he's he's talking to people uh who are in the crowd in, in the film and i'm just like put the megaphone down <laughs> for fuck's sake it's already too loud I feel like uh, Huey Lewis in um, Back to the Future is like, son, that was too darn loud. <laughs> so it was just so fucking loud. It was just that's uh, that's that's crazy. That like, what the fuck was up with that? That's weird. I don't know. It's like being at a con. It, it's it's like you're in the front row of like a rock concert or something. That's that should not happen at a movie theater. Um, well, that's cool. So if you want to hear more about bad experiences Mike had in movie theaters, check out his channel and, um, you can check out my channel is, um, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. As I said earlier, uh, the last video I did was, uh, whatever happened to the genre known as alternative rock music? Uh, it was mainly a genre that, uh, held sway in the 1990s and, um, Nowadays, if you look up alternative rock, new new alternative, it's a whole clusterfuck of what it of of what it used to be. It doesn't sound anything like any of the bands that were classified as alternative rock back in the olden days. But come to find out, the genre was kind of made up in the first place, and uh, yeah, it. That's what I thought was interesting about the videos, because like I always wondered about that genre, because I was like. What fits in it? What doesn't? And what the hell even is alternative rock? Yeah, I mean it's such and, a, a. It was it was a marketing term, and it doesn't actually yeah. define any kind of genre very well. I mean, if you ask someone to break down 
Okay, what consists of uh, funk music? Oh, what well, you got like, you know, a four on the floor straight up drum beat or, you know, it's got to have some kind of groove to it. The bass well, line is mean, usually even, really, you know, groovy. Even with something, I know a lot of people will might disagree and you might disagree with me, but I think even with something like hair metal, like not every single band that had big hair in the 80s was made that exact type of music, that type of metal. So I think that that... I think is something too that can be a little bit confusing and it's kind of a genre where you're like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like some of these bands, I don't really consider to be hair metal. Like Scorpions is not a hair metal band. They've done other, they've, they've done straight up rock. Like listen to, you listen to some of their earlier albums. Like it's, it's not even metal. Like they're so different in terms of like all their different, uh, genres that they've been able to mix so it's one of those things it's like eh, i just think that that's a label that gets slapped on too many like way too many bands yeah it's, oh they got big hair uh, hair metal it, it's kind of a dumb uh definer for the genre i will say but i de- when whenever someone says hair metal i definitely get a sound in my head of what that sounds like well yeah um but alternative rock was one of those things where it's like the Red Hot Chili Peppers were considered alternative rock. Green Day was considered alternative rock. When I rock. think of alternative rock, I, I think of Smashing Pumpkins, R.E.M. Uh, yeah, and, and, those, and those are, you those know, are that, good. That's def- the kind of those thing. are good bands under that genre, but then you start looking at each one of their sounds and they don't sound alike. They just yeah. fucking don't. No, they if don't. You, the offspring sounds a lot different compared to. If you uh, if you said favorites. that Poison, Motley Crue, and um, I don't know, uh, fucking Winger were hair metal, I w- <laughs> I would look at those three bands and go, yeah, they all sound. Oh they yeah, have a very similar sound. But if you look at Quiet Riot, Dokken, and Scorpions, they're they're different. Yeah. So that that's the kind of thing I'm going. I'm, I'm saying with that is that like. You could do that with probably almost any uh, any type of genre, probably. Though. But anyway, that's what my video was about, and I do a bunch of other videos on there that you'll just have to find out for yourself. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I guess that's all the time we got for podcasting this week. Uh, hope, hoping to return to a normal schedule. Um, we're gonna do our best to do it to keep it weekly. I mean, I want to do it weekly. Um, uh, it's just been I've just been been playing a lot of shows with my band lately. That's all I can say. But uh, yeah, until no, he's just been playing with himself too oh, many times. Wow, Mike getting ex- <laughs> get, throwing the perversion in at the end. That's uh, making progress there, Mike. You would have normally never said anything like that. So maybe I am finally tainting your mind and tainting tainting your taint. Uh, so anyway, until next week, everyone have a good rest of your night. See ya. So yeah, I, the pretty much the reason why the podcast was Josh is busy. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Here's the thing: is like anytime I like start pulling in one direction. So I got like my trifecta of like my reasons to live. It's this podcast, my YouTube channel, and my band. And anytime I go too far in any one direction, the other two things get neglected. And uh, I guess in the past few months, it's been uh, the band, like just really uh-huh. hitting the the shows, playing out live, working on a new uh, album of uh, kind of a definitive edition, if you will, of uh, our best songs and a new song, uh, remastered some songs as well. And the remastering process on songs is... Uh, 
Uh, it's a lot harder when the first version you did is is kind of crappily done, uh, and you see a lot of your mistakes that you made when you were younger and and less yeah. wise. And but here's some of the problems with remastering. I've noticed sometimes it's really good. Other times it's like it sounds completely different. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, I, I, that, don't, I don't like that. <laughs> that did happen with one of our songs. We have a song called Eyes Wide Open, and it's easily our poppiest song. And yeah. I just. This is the thing. I was never able to pull that song off live vocally because in the studio, when you can hear yourself crystal clear, you've warmed up, you're calm, everything's cool. You can lay down some takes vocally that you cannot replicate live sometimes, especially if you if you have a guitar around you and you're, you know, aggressively picking the guitar, yeah. which is pushing the guitar into your diaphragm, which is also fucks with your ability to sing so there was you know a few songs where like i'm like fuck that song i don't want to play it live and <laughs> it's it's such a fan favorite to a certain degree it's a it's a good song to win over new people who aren't sure of our music because it's very pop formulaic pop kind of stuff but with our own flair to it uh -huh. So I kind of went in and rewrote some of the vocals and the melodies and the chorus and also yeah I kind of did the George Lucas uh, on some of my songs special editions <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but in a good way honestly like I'm I am the most anal retentive of anybody about my own music and if I thought I was it became a subpar version of the original I would not have yeah let it go because I noticed this like when I listened to I think uh, there's some Japanese remaster or something of Dawkins songs and. It, they don't sound nearly as good. I was like, what the hell happened here? It just sounds, it sounds off. Like, it, it's like the beat was slower in some tracks. The vocals weren't as good. It was like, what the fuck is this? Isn't remastered supposed to be better? By and <laughs> large, <worse>? anytime that <laughs> I've got a, anytime I've purchased a remastered CD, by and large, they've done a great job with it. Um, a lot of those uh, first pressings of CDs in the 80s and early 90s, uh, they, they didn't quite have like the bass figured out on yeah. there, and 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 it, they they sounded very like papery thin. Uh -huh. um, you you really almost had to EQ like old stereos had EQ on the damn face plate of the stereo. Um, yeah. like they actually had like sliders that represented the different sound frequencies, and that would be cool. You know, if you still had that in cars to where you could EQ. You're set up to a certain, you know, but I mean, that's kind of a hassle well, to the more I think about that. You can do EQ digitally now. Yeah, to a certain degree. They dumb it down and they go, bass is one knob, treble is one knob. When really you have so many different frequencies of sound uh, between that. I mean, you want to be able to gain access to your 60K or your 60 hertz, your 80 hertz, your... Well, I think there are, there are like, if example, like you get a, a high quality MP3 player. It has like an option, like yeah, that. yeah, like a graphic EQ. But anyway, my yeah. point is, is that usually they do a good job now with the remasters. Like I got some Genesis remasters, I got some REM remasters, and they've done fantastic jobs. Although okay. it all depends on the level that the per. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. This is a podcast <laughs> about the show Unsolved Mysteries. I've been playing a lot of shows lately with my band. That's why uh, the podcast didn't come out last and week. And he's been remastering his album. And so. I've been remastering. I've been very busy with the band, basically. Um, and if you want to check it out, you can go on Spotify and look up Dancing with Ghosts. I'm on YouTube as Dancing with Ghosts. I'm on SoundCloud as Dancing with Ghosts. 
I'm on Bandcamp as Dancing with Ghosts. Um, I'm on Amazon Music. I'm on iTunes, all as Dancing with Ghosts. So if you want to check out my music and kind of the things that I've been up to with that lately, go there and check that out. Um, 